This is Timeless Women Speak on webtalkradio.net with your host, Dr. Nancy O'Reilly. Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you are listening to Timeless Women Speak Radio. We are all about empowering women. We are smart, amazing women who do not let our age define us, our circumstances, or block us in any shape or form. Nothing blocks our growth, progress, or our dreams. We are also about bringing to you smart, amazing women who can help us all with our finances. Yes, making money, especially during these tough times. Our health, we want to stay healthy and vital and also help us with those very important relationships, all those relationship needs. And of course, feeling useful and vital at any age. We're all about bringing you smart women that can help you with that. But today we have one of those women, just one of those women who's smart and amazing, but she's going to help us about finding that job. You got Do you have your eye on the corner office? Uh, are you thinking about reinventing yourself? Are you thinking about a new career, a new career path? Well, we've got a smart woman that's going to be talking to us all about that, giving us tips how to reinvent, fire up our careers, and make it happen. So uh, we'll be talking to her in just a minute. But uh, again, we know there's some tough things going on in the economy right now. And there's some of you that definitely are thinking about where should I head next? So we're going to be talking today with Dr. Lois Frankel. And she has written several books, but the ones we're going to be talking about today is C. Jane Lead. She's all about coaching women in the workplace. And she's also about helping women to become leaders. And of course, that that corner office. So, and the book she wrote, Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office 101, Unconscious Mistakes Women Make That Sabotage Their Careers, and Nice Girls Don't Get Rich. So we're going to be talking a lot about how you can reinvent yourself. And if you're looking for a job right now, she's the woman that can help you out with lots of tips. And then later this hour, we are, we're going to give you tips about uh, marketing yourself, selling yourself, and of course, re- reinventing, refiring yourself as well. You know, um, I recently went to a women's leadership conference uh, in uh, Miami, Florida last week. And one of the things that we talked a lot about was how do, women can help other women to become leaders. And this seems to be the most powerful component that we're finding in, in our society is that really it takes a lot of co-mentoring to really find, uh, to make those leaders. And again, we have to support one another. But again, they're talking about women and relationships. There was recently two studies uh, developed. One was in Business Week and one was in USA Today. And they asked two, these were two studies. One asked about who would you rather work for you, a man or a woman? Who would you rather be your boss? And unbelievably, the, the, the majority of those responded said they thought they needed a man. Well, why should they have a man? That's what we're going to be talking about. Why shouldn't women be leaders? We need more women leaders. Now, the other study they did talked about who would you, uh, once they did have a man or a woman boss, which one did they like better? Well, it turns out they liked the woman better because she could, she was a better communicator. She was a better team player. And she was also very good about details, but bringing people to the table with great ideas. So it's a toss up, but it sounds like women really 
great leaders, great communicators, and a great boss, a great supervisor. So keep that in mind. So today, we've got Dr. Lois Frankel with us today, and we're going to be talking about ways that you can pump up your career, change your career, reinvent yourself, and get that corner office. So we want to welcome Dr. Lois Frankel. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She is a dynamic woman. She's been called warm, witty, and practical as far as her presentations. And that's what we want, warm, witty, and practical solutions that will help you in the workplace. But uh, she has literally written the book on coaching people to succeed in business. We're talking men and women. But the book she's written, Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office and Nice Girls Don't Get Rich, are just some of the things that she has written. She has been featured on Today, CNN, CNBC, New York Times, USA Today. She gets around. This woman really is teaching and coaching women how to really make it big in the workplace. But again, to become good leaders. And a lot of this is very practical. One of the things she's going to be talking to us later about is how to talk to our daughters about becoming leaders, how to talk to our daughters about money. And I think this is so very important. I think a lot of what we're going to be talking about with Lois has a lot to do with every woman. Take care of your own money. Make money. It's okay to make money. But uh, anyway, she is also the founder of something that's very close to my heart, this philanthropic endeavor. It's called MOST, Motivating Our Students Through Experience. She is working with at-risk girls as far as helping them to stay in school, go to college, and go on to have fulfilling careers and being able to care for themselves. And, of course, getting that corner office. So we want to welcome Lois today. Thank you, Lois, for being with, with us today and inspiring so many women. And I know you'll inspire many women again today. Thanks for being with us. And so happy to have you here with us today. Well, yeah, and thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. This is such an important time for women. Uh, You know, we've really made some great uh, progress, especially with this last election. We almost, almost had a woman run as president, almost, maybe next time. But, uh, you know, the thing that I find so very interesting is when we have our guests come on, uh, we have so many amazing smart women come on the show, is that I think it's really important to know, how did you get to be who you are? And because again, this mentoring, this co-mentoring is so important as as far as coaching. How did you get to be where you are? Tell us your story. Yeah, nobody expected me to be much. I grew up at a time, you know, in a day and age where, you know, girls, like my father didn't even want to pay for my education. And my mother paid for my education out of her earnings as a nurse. Um, But really, when you talk about how did I get to be where I am today, it was by making a lot of mistakes. It was by saying, you know what, I'm doing this, but I don't like it, so let me try something else. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when I got my Ph.D., Nancy, and I thought I was going to be a psychotherapist, and I opened a psychotherapy practice, and within six to eight months, I knew I was not cut out (laughs) for this. Now what do you do? You spend all this time going to school. You spend all this money. And it was like, okay, what's the next thing? And when somebody came to me and said, hey, would you be willing to coach someone? You've worked in corporations. You have a Ph.D. in psychology. Would you be willing to coach someone? Bingo. Mm -hmm. There there it was. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be willing to take some risks and do some things that that maybe are a little uncomfortable and find out if you like them or not. And if not, it's not cast in concrete. Do something else. Yeah. 
No, that's 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 a great thought. Yeah, um, I've been there, done that, and that's why I consider myself an educator now and a motivator. But uh, yeah, there there comes a point when sitting uh, sitting on a sofa is just not where you want to be any longer. I applaud your efforts and what you're doing. I, I also have a background in coaching and mentoring and facilitating. Too. Okay, I think our backgrounds are very similar. I, I think so. For women, our lives are not linear, and mine certainly was not. Um, and I also always say I'm a recovering nice girl. Um, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, growing up, you know, I, you know, I grew up in the 50s and the 60s, and I was just your your typical young woman who nobody expected much from. Yeah. My parents didn't expect much from me. You know, nobody really expected much from me. But inside, I always expected more from myself. One of the things that probably needed to define is a nice girl. And I think, in, uh, I think you talk a little bit about that. I think, you know, what is a nice girl? And, uh, you know, like you said, you grew up in a time when women uh, weren't expected to really accomplish a lot. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. For me, that's kind of what I'm thinking about. Because I, let's, let's just make it clear right now. None, when we get to the nice term... Uh, the nice girl definition will probably all not be nice girls, but what is your definition of a nice girl? Yeah, a nice girl is someone who acts according to the rules and the stereotypes that either her family imparted or society imparts. Because even now, Nancy, when I go around the country and I'm doing my keynote speaking, mm-hmm. you know, I might be in a group with people who were the average age is 30. Yeah. So they certainly didn't get the same messages from their parents, or many of them didn't get the same messages from their parents that I did. And yet, once they got into society, once they had their first jobs, when they went away to college, you know, that's when they started finding out, well, gee, not everybody is as encouraging as mom and dad. So that even young women today who get the right message from their parents find when they get out into the world, people want you to act a certain way. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had lots of different guests on the show, and we've talked about, you know, the fact that that unfortunately, maybe in our generation, a lot of us were waiting for Prince Charming. You know, we went from uh, we went from high school to college. If if some of us uh, some of us were actually given a trousseau, I know. And when I went to a school, that a lot of the girls had a year to find a husband. And so basically, their parents, if they did get them to school, college, they, then their goal was basically get married, find a man who's going to make the money, and you can sit back and raise the family. And da 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 da. Is that kind of what we're talking about? Yeah, that's what we're talking about, and it goes beyond that, though. It goes beyond that, you know, uh, beaver cleaver thing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It goes to, you know, how are you supposed to sit? How are you supposed to speak? Uh Um, When are you supposed to speak? When are you not supposed to speak? Are you supposed to be pushy? Can you, you know, is is assertive, you know, is being assertive really being the B word? You Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. It, it goes to all of those small behaviors that women incorporate into their repertoires, even young women today. And so when I talk about being a nice girl, it's when you follow the rules that someone else makes for you. Mm-hmm. That's really what mm-hmm. it is. And, and again, I, I guess one of the things that I'm, I'm noticing, because I, I do, I talk to women of all ages. That's just, it's been part of my research. But again, when I go out and do a keynote or speak to a group, there are women of all ages out there also. But there are also those covert messages that I think that's what you're talking about, are those kind of un, unspoken words that are uh, unspoken behaviors that women do have. Be nice, don't, you know, don't be over competitive. 
you know, like you said, you use the B word. And, and when I was growing up, when, when I was overly competitive, that B word was used a lot in my, in my presence. And so, you know, uh, competition, you know, you're talking about nice girls and we're talking about women becoming leaders. Let, let's just get right to it. So, you know, I mean, we almost had a woman become a president of the United States this year, at least run, you know, she almost made it. And you know what? They really slammed her hard. They really took her down that, that slippery slope. And, uh, you know, they talked about her looks, they talked about her age, they talked about the way she conducted herself. And then of course they brought up all those relationship issues that they wouldn't have done and didn't do to any other candidate. So are those kind of those rules that we're talking about nice girls versus girls that, you know, we're trying to teach girls how to be leaders today? Yeah, I think that there are two sets of rules in the workplace for men and for women, and that's where women get confused. You know, women will say that they really want to, uh, I'm sorry, men will say that there's equality, but what's really happened is that um, the bias has gone underground. So it's no longer politically correct to to say certain things in a woman's presence. I know Hillary really did get slammed in a lot of ways. But, you know, that's to be expected because there are two sets of rules. And so that's what I say to them. And now, for the listeners, I want them to picture, uh, I, I'm just going to say a football field. Yeah. Okay? Just okay. picture the outline of a football field. All right. I'm there. I'm okay? S- I'm standing there. And if you look at the, the, the um, end zones, right? Right. That's okay. where you make the touchdown. Right. Okay. That's exact. That whole field is where men get to play. Uh-huh. That whole field is where men get to play. <laughs> okay, they're running up and down. Where are we? They're running up and down. But you know what? When we do that, that's when we call we get called the B word. So now shrink that field a little bit if, in your mind, uh-huh. and you can picture you know a second field kind of inserted onto the first. Mm-hmm. That's the field we're playing on. Okay. And when you go out of bounds, when you go out of those bounds, that's when you get slammed. Now, we saw it happen actually even more so, I thought, to Hillary Clinton when she was first lady, when her husband was president. Uh-huh. And he assigned her the, you know, the job of healthcare. fixing health care, right? Healthcare, yeah. Well, you know what? She went out of bounds. And people very quickly pushed her back. Yeah, in. she became very assertive and very outspoken about the need for health care and really went about bringing uh, people to the table. But that was what? It, she was being too pushy or what? Well, she was going out of bounds. She was going out of the bounds circumscribed for a first lady. That's really what it was all about. Oh, she wasn't decorating the the White House. She wasn't looking at the White House China, and she wasn't talking about the Easter egg hunt role that that should be coming up. And so, is that what you're talking about? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Oh, and her clothes, and she didn't know. Okay. 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 So that's what happens in the workplace, Nancy. Now, you have to picture that happening in the workplace where you're working with a guy who, you know, at meetings he's, he's speaking out, yeah. he's, he's adamant about things. You speak the exact same way, uh-huh. and you get called the B word. And you get the eye-rolling. The eye right? ro- I love the eye-rolling. But you know what? I kind of relish that. I, I grew up much as you did in, in this, this year, and I've worked in large systems. And uh, I will tell you that uh, I, I have struggled. I have struggled in the workplace, and I have seen people eye-roll with me. But I, I became a director of an employee assistance program, so then I taught them about eye-rolling, which was another phenomenon. But, but again, there, you're right. There, there are sets of rules for every system that women have to understand. 
understand, especially if they want to go forward. Okay, now let's let's talk about something that's going on because again, the, like, like you said, maybe in some ways things have really progressed, and maybe in some ways they haven't. But uh, you know, more and more women are going out and starting their own businesses. I mean, this is one of the fastest fastest growing trends in the United States: are women-owned businesses and women starting their own companies and saying, you know. Uh, I don't have to put up with uh, being the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. I don't have to work in a large system. I can work with a, a group of other women. I can group uh, and start my own business. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it was interesting because when I wrote See Jane Lead, I went out and interviewed women entrepreneurs of all ages. And that's really what it was about for them. It was about having more control over their lives. Yeah. You know, a number of them had left corporations and said, you know what, you know, in a corporation, the thing is this, the tall nail gets hammered down. And when you're a woman and you're a tall nail, you're going to be hammered right into the ground. Because, again, you use the term the system. The system doesn't tolerate it. And what is any system designed to do? perpetuate itself. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to lead at this moment because we're going to take a little break here, but uh, I'm talking with Dr. Lois Frankel, and we're talking about women leaders. We need more of them. There are rules that women need to understand, but you know what? Let's just go out and start our own business. We'll be back in just a minute, and we'll talk more about women leaders and how you can find your leadership quotient. Dr. Nancy and her guests will be right back. Have you ever wondered if your feelings are normal? Have you ever wanted to talk to another woman about your experiences in life? You'll find the information and support you need in Dr. Nancy's new book, Timeless Women Speak, Feeling Youthful at Any Age. Go ahead and invest $17 in your happiness. It's available at www.womenspeak.com. Order your copy today. Now, back to Dr. Nancy and her guest. Hi, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and I'm talking with Dr. Lois Frankel. She has written a fantastic book, See Jane Lead. Also, Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office. These are fantastic books. But you you coach women about becoming leaders. You coach women about getting the job they want and getting the power to to really control their own destiny in the workplace. But, you know, one of the things that you were writing about, uh, Lois, in your book is that you you started to define women as leaders and women that you thought made very good leaders. And you mentioned several people like Hillary Clinton, uh, Billie Jean King, and uh, let's see, uh, uh, Mother Teresa was one of them, but there were several others that you mentioned. But you then you clarified why you felt like they made good women leaders. Yeah, a leader really is anyone who can get people to follow them. Uh-huh. Okay? Get them to go to get others to go somewhere that they would not or could not go on their own. And so when, you know, some of the people that I mentioned in the book, there might be some people who say, you know, well, I don't think she's such a great leader mm-hmm. or Hillary's not a great leader. Hey, look, if you get people to follow you in a direction that you need them to, yeah. Hillary proved when she was in the um, Senate yeah. that she could get people to follow. She did. And, and that's what's hard for women to understand. And that's why, you know, I, I intentionally use the term followers. You know, that if you're a leader, 
then you have followers. Mm-hmm. And I want women to get comfortable with that notion. See, men are more comfortable with the notion because sure. they've served in the military and sports. Right. And so well, forth. you know, men men toot their horns. I mean, I think this is another piece that we find with women. And, and you know, and I, I, I'm all about empowering women, too. When I get up and speak to women, I said, you know, men are great. They get up in front of you. You know, before five minutes is over, you've gotten their Vita. You know exactly what they do. You know what their shoe size is. You know what their score is on the... Uh, you know, what their handicap is on the golf course, what their next adventure is going to be, and how they're good at all the above. Women stand around kind of smiling, and the self-promotion and this tooting of their horn and being humble is, is really something that I find, you know, it, it really does kind of keep you in the background. I mean, let's face it, it's more exciting to hear somebody talking about something fun and interesting than, than to sit there quietly and, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather maybe sometimes listen to that story. Well, yeah, it's a double-edged sword for women because they really need to learn how to step up to the leadership plate with confidence and play the game in bounds, but stretch those boundaries. Because the problem is, is that most women go back to that playing field and they play their game right smack dab in the middle. Yeah. No game is won in the middle of the field. The game is won at the edge. Okay. So my recommendation for women is that they play their game at the edge. Okay, let's talk about the let, let's just get into that because you know, I recently just went to a women's leadership conference, uh, United Way of America. This is a high-powered group of women, you know. They come from companies like Wachovia, IBM, but this uh, you know, United Way of America is a global international organization. And these women are putting their money where their mouth is. And by the way, I really like what you're doing as far as your philanthropic endeavors. But the thing that they talk about more and more as far as women leading women is women helping women but the thing is that they really emphasize our relationships, that women that are good leaders really develop very strong, healthy relationships. So it, it, can we talk about that just for a little bit, too? Sure. See, I think that's a woman's secret weapon. You know, in the past, you know, we always kind of put down this notion, this, uh, notion of relationships. We always said it was a soft skill. Yeah. Well, now... What's so interesting is we have a generation of followers that you, that will not follow you if you don't build a relationship. If you with don't them. have passion and purpose and you don't really fire them up, isn't that it? Well, that's part of it. But the other part of it is care about them. You right. know, when you think about pe- workers in the 50s, 60s, even the 70s, you know what? They would come to work, the boss would say jump, and you would say how high. Uh-huh. And yeah, and you walked out the door, the boss walks out the door, and then they sit there kind of twiddling their thumbs till you walked back in and did it again. Well, yeah, you know, and, and if you say jump, they're not going to say how high, they're going to say why. Yeah. So yeah. now the only way to bring out the best in this new generation of workers, whether you call them Generation X, Generation Y, right. Millennials, is to be in relationship with them. And women know how to do that. And that's actually what I talk about in C.J. Lead, is that we have reached the perfect time in our history for women to make phenomenal leaders. Absolutely. Because followers have changed. And what they want is what women have stereotypically brought to the table, including building relationships, 
Well, we're, we're outcome, you know, as far as outcome, you know, I think women want to see the outcome. If you're going to do something, you want to see what it's going to produce. You know, if you, if you want to help other women, you want to see how you're helping them. Like you, like, for example, what you do working with at-risk children, uh, young women, young girls, that you want them to stay in school. You want them to, con- to continue on to college. You want them to, to find careers. And so I think that's where women really, we, we definitely have the advantage because we're always thinking about the outcome and what the ultimate goal will be is, again, somebody benefits. Yeah, exactly. And again, that's where the double-edged sword is, because in Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office, I talk about the fact that, you know, women tend to make miracles, on the other hand. You know, it's not so good when you're sitting at your desk, and you're working hard, and Mm -hmm. you are producing results, but you're not paying attention to managing your career. That's the bad side of it. The good side of it is, yeah, we deliver, and we care about people, and we want to make a difference in society. And that's what makes us ideal leaders for this day and age. Okay. You know, it's been said that you, that you have to be a leader for your time. You couldn't sw- uh, swap out, for example, uh, General Schwarzkopf with General Patton. No, no, you it wouldn't have worked. Uh, yeah, that's a good them. example, because one was very dictatorial and very precise, and the other was really about, uh, again, uh, bringing that heart to the whole concept of, of freedom. Well, exactly. And so, so the same thing now in corporations, that we've reached the time when it's time for women to step forward, but they hesitate because they don't want to be seen as overstepping their bounds. And this is where I really encourage women and say, you know, you can make a difference in your corporation, you can make a difference in the country, you can make a difference in your community, in the mm-hmm. lives of children, mm-hmm. as, you, as you've said, you know, that I try to do. Um, you can do it in all different ways. Yeah. But you've got to get out of your comfort zone and sitting back and waiting to be noticed or asked or called on. Well, don't, don't, I mean, I think part of it, I think why women be, are becoming such inspirational leaders, at least the, the women that I'm surrounding myself with, is because they really truly believe and they're inspired by what they're doing and they're able to inspire others to do the same. And that, that's true even in a corporation. If you truly believe in what you're selling, whether it's widgets or, you know, or, uh, Toothpicks. I mean, if you don't believe in what you're selling and you don't believe the benefits, you know, for example, the, the woman who, who buys Tide and then her, her daughter buys Tide and the next generation buys Tide. I think that's where women really have been ex- extremely successful, too, is that there, once you, uh, you know, the loyalty, but also developing those relationships and, and the ability to, to help uh, people understand how it really will impact their lives and make them better. Oh, absolutely. And, and women are good at doing that. They, but the problem is they don't give themselves enough credit for the benefit of that. Okay. You know, that, that that has a benefit. Now, again, when I was interviewing women and when you talk about the passion, that was the one thing that really struck me that distinguished every leader I interviewed, every female leader I interviewed from male leaders. Uh-huh. Male leaders, you give them something to lead. You know, they'll lead, you know... <laughs> they'll lead anything. Here, let's yeah, go down the... Yeah, they'll lead people out of paper okay. bag, okay? <laughs> they'll you lead know, you out of paper bag. I like that. Yeah. Okay. The women, though, told me that they really came into their own leadership... Vo- they found their own leadership voices when it was a cause that was important to them. Right. And sometimes it's a nonprofit cause. Sometimes it's saying, you know what, I work in a corporation, I'm remembering one woman say say this, I work in a corporation where I think people are treated awfully. And my goal is to make sure the people who are in 
my department mm-hmm. get treated well. Yeah. And so that was her leadership philosophy. And she said, and I get better results and I, I get better performance from people because I do that. Right. So there's combining the relationship and the passion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So how, okay, today, all right, we're talking about women. Uh, let's, talk, let's talk about women, young women first, and then we'll talk about women that are older that are making transition in the workplace because I always want to talk about reinventing. You know, today, if a woman is born, if a child, a female is born today, she has every chance in the world of being 100 years old. So my guess is a lot of us are going to be reinventing ourselves over and over again, or at least many, many career paths. But, but what are young, how are young women today sabotaging themselves, and what would you advise? Yeah, the, the main way that they're sabotaging themselves is um, falling into those old patterns of what people expect or want from you um, and tolerating inappropriate behavior. Okay, what do, what, do, what do they think people want from them? Yeah, what they think people want them to do is, um, is deliver those miracles. And let me just give you a quick example. I was talking to a 24-year-old woman the other day, and she works for a, um, a major financial firm. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, I work on a team, and when someone is out, we're all expected to just kind of fill in. She said, but in reality, the only one who fills in is the women. Yeah, yeah. So that the guys go about still doing their regular jobs, and the women take over for whoever happens to be out. Now, these are financial advisors. So they're nurturing and they're, and they're kind of, you know, bringing in, the, uh, doing a little housekeeping, but also making sure the machine is working. And the men know they'll do that, right? And the men know they'll do sure. that. Sure. So that women need to say, hey, you know what, and they don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to be nasty. And that's yeah. one of the points I want to make, that, you know, at the top of this hour, we talked about the fact that a nice girl is one who, uh, you know, uh, lives her life according to the rules defined by someone else. Everyone has to be nice in the workplace. Sure. Nice is necessary. You can it's be cordial sufficient. and professional. Professional. Yes. Yeah. It's necessary. It's absolutely it necessary. It is. But that when you, though, go over and above and beyond consistently, uh-huh. you are not going to be seen, one, seen as one who necessarily has leadership potential. You're going to be seen as a doer. You're going to be seen as a doormat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even worse, a doormat. So that's one of the biggest mistakes I see women yeah. make. You know? And when I said to this woman, you know, what would happen if, if you just didn't, like, you know, pick up the slack? And yeah. she said, well, you know, really the customers would suffer. Yeah. And I said, I admire that, but, you know, you need to go back and talk to the rest of your team. Yeah. I, I worked with a young woman uh, at, when I was doing the EAP work. I was half-time clinical and half-time administration, which was an interesting way to be as far as, you know, working for the system, but also working for the employees and their families. But this one woman came in, and she was stressed to the max. I mean, she basically had had basically just exhausted herself physically and emotionally, and I think spiritually as well. But she, you know, she had the desk in the front of the office. She was the voice. She was the physical being that everyone saw when they first walked in that office. So everyone came to her. She had gotten to the point where she didn't take a break because she was afraid she would miss somebody if they came to her desk. She ate at her desk. She didn't go to the bathroom during the day. You know, I mean, the woman literally was weighed. She could not even leave 
leave until she was sure everyone's need had been taken care of. And she couldn't, for the life of herself, figure out why she felt so darn bad. And I guess that's a personification of what you're talking about. But it's amazing to me the number of professional women, like you're saying, money managers or women, even attorneys and, and professional women that even, even find themselves in wanting to be the nice person in the office to the point of where they start to really, um, you know, they really start to lose their own boundaries of who they are, what their job descriptions are. Yeah, they really suffer from, you know, what I think it was Jane Fonda called the disease to please. <laughs> you know? The disease to please. Yeah, and, and, and that really is problematic for us, and I think that's the number one problem. Um, the second is really finding their voices, because once you understand it's a problem, then how do you really address it? You know, I always say that women need to learn to tell people to go to hell so that they look forward to the trip. Okay, well, let's stop there. Let's, let's tell, yeah, sometimes it is important to, to, to go to hell, tell them to go to hell, that's for sure. I'm Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and this is Timeless Women Speak, and I'm talking with Dr. Lois Frankel, and we're talking about don't be a nice girl, to, and you can get that corner office, and we want you to be leaders. But we'll be right back, and later this hour, we're also going to talk about something, especially during this time in our challenging times, is reinventing yourself how do you market yourself especially during tough times but we'll be right back dr nancy and her guests will be right back if you've been looking for a free online resource about health relationships finances and feeling youthful at any age visit www.womenspeak.com while you're there subscribe to dr nancy's free newsletter get her free kick butt keys and check out the archived material www.womenspeak.com and now back to dr nancy and her guest okay i'm talking to dr lois frankel and we are talking about ways that women sabotage themselves in the workplace and we want to do something about it lois let's let's just see if there's a couple things especially younger women can do to stop sabotaging themselves and and really find their own feminine power i've heard i've well, i love that term their own feminine power to make it work for them in the workplace okay let me give a couple of quick tips first of all every time you're in a meeting you need to be among the first two or three people to speak early speakers are accorded a kind of self-confidence that later speakers are not so rather than wait to either be called on or you know just kind of wait you need to consciously say, I will be the number two or number three speaker in this meeting. Now, it doesn't always have to be to give an opinion. It can be to ask a question. It sure. can be to Your voice is heard. Yeah, but get your voice out there in meetings. Isn't that almost like a pecking order? You know, you can tell in a room who's, who's kind of feeling more confident and who's, who's kind of in charge by, again, who speaks and who doesn't. Absolutely. Okay, so the pecking order is if you want to be perceived as a leader, you better speak up and speak up soon. Exactly. Okay. Early and often. Early and often. Well, Early okay. and often. Okay, number two, when you put your opinion out, do not put it out in the form of a question because that's something that women have learned to do oh. to soften their messages. To see if people are going to agree. Right? Yeah, like what would you think? If we did X, Y, Z. Yeah. You know, don't say, what would you think? You know, say, you know, I've been thinking about it, and here's what I propose we do to solve the problem. Uh Now, I'm open to other ideas that would build on this, but, you know, let's get this idea on the table, and let's, like, you know, see if we can run with it. Mm -hmm. So you're not only a speaker, you're, you're high in the pecking order, but you also are an ideal person. 
Yes, you are. And and you do not qualify it by putting it out in the form of a question. <laughs> is that okay? Is that okay with you? Yeah. yeah. Right. Are, are, are we okay with that? Yeah. Okay. Got exactly. it. Exactly. And it's all right to not be, you know, you know, necessarily um, so aggressive about it that no one else's idea matters. But you know, it needs to it needs to be put out uh, directly, straightly, straightforward. Third, uh, women tend to use way too many words. Way too many words. We're 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 word masters, huh? Well, we are, and the reason is, and this is kind of a you know a psychological thing, that the more words you use, you always soften a message. Oh, okay, yeah. Give so, give it. Give me an example, okay? Let's let's just uh, give me give me something, okay? Okay, I'll give you an example. You know, Nancy, I was thinking about it, and never mind. Never mind, Lois. I, I get your point. I get your point. Yeah, I'm already starting. I'm starting to yawn and kind of. I'm doing some eye rolling right now. Okay. Yeah. There you go. There. There. Okay. Okay. Your messages need to be short, crisp, succinct. Yeah. You need to remember, short sounds. Confident. Yeah, that elevator speech, that fight, you've got so much time and you better get your point across and make it clear. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you know, I send out monthly coaching tips to, to anybody who wants them. And this month's tip is on how to write the elevator speech. Yeah, that fi- well, you know, when you're selling a book, you get, you, get, you get them down. You have to. You know, you've got two seconds or you've got less than a minute to really push your, and promote yourself. I tell everybody now, I'm just shameless. I'm a shameless promoter, but I just love it and I'll do it again and again. But, uh, okay, so that was three. What's, what's the most important thing that young women should do right now? Uh, you know, I think right now is to make sure you're on the radar screen. That my experience is that because of everything going on, a lot of people are hunkering down and staying under the radar screen. Oh, they're trying to avoid the, the, the right-sizing, as they're calling it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think now's the time to step forward and say, hey, look, I know we're having difficult times. Here's what we can do. Yeah. Okay. Hey, look, no one is, you know, safe from this. Somebody in my, a young woman in my office came to me last month and said, you know, I've been thinking about it. We're not getting as many calls for training because nobody wants to pay for the, you know, expenses that go along with a training program, sure. you know, whether it's airfare and sure. hotel, you know, and all sure. that stuff. She said, let's start doing webinars. Yeah, you know teleconferencing. What? There's I lots of ways. Yeah. I value yeah. somebody who stepped forward and said, let's do sure. this. Sure. That's ex- and, you know, this is a woman in her 20s, and this is exactly what young women need to be doing. They need to be on the radar screen helping to solve problems voices out there direct straight forward okay well now we've been talking about younger women but again we're talking about women you know there there are people that have been they've been right-sized they've been excused they've been you know they're out there now looking for uh, a new job they're looking you know there there are people right now that are really frightened but there are women of course as they're growing older uh, that want to change their career what what about reinvention and refiring because right now there's a lot of people that saying you know I need to find work I need to find a job and I want something also that I'm, I'm going to be good at. Yeah, and it's not enough to say I need to find work. It's really about saying, what is going to float my boat? Yeah. You know, um, and if I'm going to reinvent myself, because when, as you reinvent yourself, you have an opportunity to create a forensic fingerprint that will speak to your existence long after you're gone. And that's where I think women need to say, now's my opportunity to do what I would love to do. So first you have to know it. You know why? Because so many people you know, will say to me, I'm out of work. I need a job. Well, okay. what kind of job do you want? Well, I could do this. I could do this. You know what? I don't want to hear it. I want you to tell me, 
this is what I want to do with my life from this point forward. Okay. The first thing is being crystal clear about what you want, because Nancy... I'm a big believer. If you can't see it, you can't get it. Uh-huh. Kind of the laws of attraction, which we all have heard thousands of times of, but if we can't visualize it and we can't speak about it, it's sure not going to happen, ever. It is not going to happen. So that's number one. Number two, and you're talking about older women, so I'm going to speak specifically to older women, and that is, you know, a lot of times older women, if they've worked in a corporation for a while, yeah, they've let themselves go a little bit. What what do you mean, physically or? Well, in a lot of ways. Okay, so all the above, physically, emotionally. They haven't stayed on top of maybe some of the technology. You know, and hey, look, I am to, you know, I can point the finger at myself for some of this stuff. Okay. Where people in my office are saying, you know, well, you need to learn how to do this. And I'm going, oh, God, do I have to? Hey, look, (laughs) if you're out there trying to reinvent yourself. You better be Twittering and you better be doing uh, Facebook. Yep. LinkedIn and, and whatever else. But also, you had better look good and feel good. That's right. And do not underestimate this, because when it comes to your credibility, how people perceive you, 50% of your credibility comes from how you look. Yeah. 40% comes from how you sound. Now, I've already talked about how the sound part, because what I said about the young women applies to the older women, too. But when it comes to the how you look part... You know, sometimes you let yourself go a little, and you say, yeah. "Well, you know, I, I don't really need." So to it's a it's a it's a makeover. If you're it's it's a good time if you're going to reinvent yourself. Take a look at your hair. Take a look at your clothes. Everything. Go work out. Go go start uh, really. But isn't that part of what's so important for women is that you have to put yourself on the top of the list if you're gonna if you're gonna do all these things. And I think that's what I'm hearing you say, Lois, is you better get out there and really look like you feel good about yourself. You better because you know what. People sniff out insecurity. You know, they sniff out people who don't feel good about themselves, and they don't want to be around them. The attitude is everything. Where, uh, where focus goes, energy flows. I mean, there's a lot of things that really are true about that. So, you know, we, we had one, uh, one of our guests, Pepper Swartz, she wrote the book Prime. But she said, you know, we were talking about, especially in, in our book, Timeless Women Speak, Feeling Useful at Any Age, we talk about women who start to tell us as they're getting older that they're feeling invisible, they're feeling dismissed, and they're feeling pissed. But, you know, one thing she said, and I think this is so important what you're saying is if you're feeling invisible do something about it yeah absolutely you know i live in los angeles and this is an entertainment town sure you and gotta so, look good i'm sorry i said you gotta look good you gotta you know what and not and also because you know i've been interacting lately with some of the entertainment people and at first you know i was finding i was getting dismissed because i was kind of dressing the corporate part Ooh. and so what i did was you know i went out and i got this spiky haircut <laughs> and i like you know got a couple of like pairs of black jeans all black right shirts and Ooh. black boots okay now, you, sudden, so you got your sexy back huh well, I don't know. I got my entertainment back anyway. You know, where, you know, again, depending on your playing field, you've got to fit into the playing sure. field. Sure. Whatever, whatever the uniform is or whatever the, the code of dress or whatever, whatever you want to look like or what do you want to, what do you want to portray to the world? Yeah, exactly. It, I love your line. I'd never heard this line before. Where focus goes, energy flows. Yeah, but 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 isn't it true? We make judgments about people with less than five minutes. Well, less than thirty seconds, typically, when they walk up towards us, we've already pretty well defined in our mind. I love that movie, uh, Jim Carrey, Liar, Liar. And when everybody comes up to him, he's already tell- in his mind saying exactly what they are: fat, yeah. ugly, stupid. But you know, we do. Unfortunately, as human beings, we do really start to judge people very quickly the way they look, and before they even open their mouths. Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, when you get hired, okay, you're already hired. 
But then you're going to have a short honeymoon period where you're going to craft um, your unique brand in the workplace. And whether you're a younger worker or an older worker, that's what you have to remember. You are a brand in the workplace. You have to define it, hone it, market it. Well, they want to be proud to have you around. They want you to, every time you walk around, whether you're in work or on the job or out of the job, you still represent that corporation or that business. I mean, you know, I was talking with a woman, we went to this conference, this leadership uh, conference together, and she said, you know, this is the first time I've really let down. You know, it'd been a tough year. Uh, You know, there'd been some fundraising going on, and she said, this is the first time I've really let down. I said, well, you go right ahead, because I'm going to do it, too. We do know that there are times that we really need to people watch us they do watch us whether we know uh, whether we even think about it we're constantly being observed by other people especially in the workplace yeah and what i call that is there's a word on the street about all of us yeah you know it's what people say about us when we leave a room or sure turn off the television or turn off this radio show there's going to be a word on the street about you and me i hope so well you know my mom always said if they aren't talking about you you're not doing something right so i bet (laughs) lois today when they're when we're finished today that they'll be talking about you and i and it won't be because because we're nice girls but uh all right let's let's get to this one part and i think this is so important because we're talking uh, about ways the next generation because we know as women leaders you and i are women leaders let's face it let's just define who we are we wouldn't be talking on this radio show today unless you and i both believe that we are women leaders so i have uh, three daughters I have five granddaughters. I don't do this because I, you know, that I want to. I have to because I do this for them because I really think it's so important to continue to grow the next generation of women leaders. So right now, what can mothers do to help their daughters uh, really start thinking in terms of being the next leaders, well, leaders now and leaders in the future? Well, I think it starts off when they're young. You know, when you have, if you have young daughters, that what they need, you need to do is, first of all, my recommendation is you put them in an all-girl school. I saw that, and that was interesting because I went to an all-school girl, uh, uh, all-school girl school, and all I learned, I, I learned to cuss a lot. I know that for sure. <laughs> yeah, but look, you turned out to be a leader. I did. Oh well, well, come to think of it, maybe now that I look back, that was probably good. I did learn to cuss like a sailor, but yes, I am a leader. Yeah, that um, all the studies show that girls who go to all-girl schools are more likely to come out and, and be ready to assume positions of leadership than girls that go to co-ed schools. It, now, what is that? Because we don't worry about guys? Cause, well, right. I know. I went, to, I went to class in my pajamas with my, uh, my <laughs> raincoat, so I didn't, I didn't care what I looked like, and nobody in that class, we, were all, we all had our pajamas under our raincoats. Well, yeah, see, and you didn't, you didn't really care. What nope. you cared about was learning. And when were there, where there were leadership opportunities, you were only competing against other women. You yep. weren't competing against men. Well, we were all in sports, though, too. I think you mentioned sports because I played everything from hockey to basketball. If there was, I think that was the other way. They wanted to keep us busy in sports and then in class. Yes. Uh, yeah, yes. Was was it by any chance like a Catholic all girls? <laughs> it, it did have a religious tone to okay. it. Let's put it that way. There was what they called chapel. <laughs> okay, so you know, if you keep you busy in class and on the court, you're you're they're doing well. Uh-huh. Um, so yes, all girls schools. Number two, um, enroll your daughter in um, self defense classes. Now, I like that one. Yeah, it's not it's not only so that they can protect themselves physically. It's because girls who know that they have strong bodies 
feel self-confident. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, the right to bear arms, uh, you know, I'm actually in a group of women that we have a pistol, we have a, a gun competition. We go out and shoot guns and we have scores. But, uh, you know, it does. There's a lot of confidence when you know you can protect yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that's something else a woman can do. Uh, and the third thing for young girls that I would do would be um, to enroll them in uh, sports programs where they're doing individual sports and team sports because, you know, individual sports really teach you how to do your personal best. Team sports really teach you how to get along in a team and, uh, and collaborate. So also, are- also something very important, winning. Well, yeah, I'm glad you said that because, you know, this whole thing about, you know, women feeling as if, you know, it's, it's more important how you play the game than if you win. Are you kidding me? Uh, I, no, no. I, I think winning is very, very important. I, I like to win. I think it's good. Well, yeah. did you have a story? Of, this is last year sometime. It was about a softball team up in Washington State, uh, and they were playing against another softball team. And this one woman, um, who she was at bat, and when she hit the ball and started running, she broke her leg. Ooh. And it was her last game. Oh. Okay, now her own team could not do anything about it. The other team came and carried her around the bases. Oh, oh yes, yes, I heard that. I saw that on the news. That was amazing. That well, was an amazing story. And well, that's a woman's story, isn't it? That, that's a great story. Well, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and this is Timeless Women Speak, and I am talking with Dr. Lois Frankel about being leaders, but we're also talking about how to make help your daughters to be leaders, and we'll be right back. Dr. Nancy and her guests will be right back. Would you like to stay determined and empowered with every passing year, regardless of your age? to feel visible, valuable, and to have your voice heard? Read how other women of every age feel successful in Dr. Nancy's new book, Timeless Women Speak, Feeling Youthful at Any Age, available from www.womenspeak.com. Order your copy today. And now, back to Dr. Nancy and her guest. Okay, we're talking to Dr. Lois Frankel, and we're talking about how to teach our daughters to be good leaders. Okay, going to a girl's school, which I did, and uh, also uh, you said self-defense classes, but also sports. But there's a lot of confidence when we know we can protect ourselves and we are confident when we, work, when we, we learn to work well with other people. Absolutely. Uh, now, let me fast forward because I know our time is limited, but I want to fast forward to older girls because you might have a daughter who's like, you know, 20, 22, 24, even mm-hmm. 18. Yep. Okay. What I do with those is I ask them to finish the sentence, I am a leader who... Uh-huh. Fill in the blank. Yep. Okay. Now, it's not, I will be a leader who. Uh-huh. I don't care if you're not a leader right now. It's acting as if. It, exactly. It's acting as if. I am a leader who. Now, what this does is focuses you on, you know, and I tell people, you need to write a 25-word statement, leadership statement, about the leader who you are, and you write it in the present, even if it's not true right now. Okay, like, and I can tell you, you know, mine is I am a leader who facilitates significant and enduring change in the lives of those I'm privileged to serve by providing courageous, compassionate, and creative wow. leadership. Well, so 
I want everybody to be able to say that. Like, I know what I need to do when you, I go yes, out you, there. Yes, and you, sound, you said that with profound emphasis on, on what you meant and what you believe. You know, and, and I think that's one of the things that, that uh, again, is, is giving back. Women that give back. And, you're, and I don't mean to get off the subject here, but what you do, though, is to help women, help you, girls at risk. And I think this is something, uh, we have such a gift of these young, young girls that we can start to really, it's, it's never too late, is it, to, to start teaching young girls how to lead? No, and, and you know what, and any one of us can do it, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. 22 years ago, I started a program uh, in Los Angeles inner city schools called MOST, Motivating Our Students Through Experience. And what we did is we took junior high school or middle school girls, matched them with professional women, and many of these girls you know, came out of families living at the poverty level. Sure. We ma- matched them with professional women so that they could have an experience that's different from in their own neighborhood, in their own home. Mm-hmm. And then what we do is at the end of middle school, we, they can apply for an incentive scholarship that if you'll stay in school when you graduate, we'll give you a scholarship. Now, many of these relationships that these, young, these girls started really with their mentors um, are, are, are last until this yeah. day. Well, the, the, you know, the term we're using now is co-mentoring because my guess is these women get more out of it, uh, just as much and more as these girls do, too. Tell us, one, tell us, give us one story of one of the most amazing graduates of your most program. Oh, there are so many, but the one that jumps to mind every time is there was a young woman who was, um, her parents, when she was uh, 16, kicked her out of her house. Mm-hmm. She went to live with her grandparents. Um, the grandparents were happy to have her because they got some kind of a, a, a monetary financial assistance for having her. As soon as that financial assistance was over, they kicked her out. They kicked her out. Wow. They said she could live. They had, I don't know, some kind of like a small trailer or something on their property. How nice. With, exactly, with no running water, no nothing. Mm-hmm. They said she could live in there. And then when they went to work during the day, she could come in the house. <laughs> and it was a horrible situation. Her mentor, when she heard about this, and her mentor happened to have been, at the time, a broadcaster here in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. uh, Michelle Ruiz. And um, Michelle took her to live with her. And the girl wanted to pay back somehow, so she started cooking for Michelle and her family. Ah. And then Michelle said, you know, you're a great cook. Chef. Would you like to go to chef school? <laughs> and the girl said, you know, I would love to love go to, to chef that. school. Oh. Well, today, you know, she's a chef in a big restaurant. Oh, wow, wow. And it, what, what pride uh, everyone gains from that. That's a great story. There's absolutely. Well, you know, uh, you know Lois, I think maybe even anyone, even one, anyone, any woman today, if, if they are a leader, can think of someone in there in their previous lifetime or somewhere along the path that they've been on that really helped them and gave them tools and encouragement and support. And I can think of several as I'm sitting here. But, uh, you know, this is this has been a wonderful interview. And, and uh, you know, we, we are definitely on the same path as really as far as empowering women. And starting as early as possible is, is to help create self-confidence, self-esteem, but, again, leadership for women. Because, you know, once we get started, you know, you can, get, you can put five or six women 
women in a room and you can get more done than I've ever seen in my entire life. You know, one of the things I find with women that really get into these leadership roles, they just don't, they learn to, they just don't know what the word no means. You know, we can do it. No, they don't understand that word no. But how can they find your book? And this has been wonderful. How can they find their book and more about what you're doing? Because it's such a valuable uh, service you're offering and what you're doing for young girls and women of all ages. And of course, the workplace, there are so many women that need your expertise and coaching on how to get the corner job, but really to to continue to excel in the workplace. Sure. There, there's two things. No, number one, people can go to my website, drloisfrankel.com, just D-R-L-O-I-S-F-R-A-N-K-E-L.com. My books are there. There's free resources. There's tests you can take. There's all kinds of stuff. I like your self-assessments because they really, I did one and, and they really are good. They, it gives you a chance to really see where you're at. Exactly. You can buy books, you can buy DVDs, but there's a lot of free things there, too. But even more importantly, I encourage people to sign up for my blog, which is thethinpinkline.com. I blog with Carol Frolinger, who's also an author of Her Place at the Table, um, with Valerie Coleman-Morris, who was formerly on CNN, um, and we blog every single day about issues pertaining to either women's money or women in the workplace, young women, old women, and it's free. You just sign up and you get this blog every single day. So that's thethinpinkline.com, and then mine is drloisfrankel.com. That sounds fantastic. Well, it sounds like we need to be blogging with you because we're right on the same page as far as what we're doing. Well, well, Lois, this has been a wonderful interview. We wish you continued success in all things that you do. And uh, let's just continue to keep empowering those women. We'll, we'll let's do it. Thanks so much, keep, Nancy. Keep up the great work. Have a great day. Thank you, you so much. Well, women, women need to get out there and lead. One of the probably the best things that we can do as far as creating positive healthy, strong female leaders is start, starting young. Mothers, teach your daughters now about leading. Uh, get them out there. Get them there in sports programs. Get them in self-defense programs. Help them to learn to speak. Uh, even public speaking, some way that they're going to feel confident being out there. Also working with teams. Sports is a great thing as far as working with teams. Now, women of other ages, you have to continue to market yourself. You have to continue to look good, feel good good. If you don't believe in yourself and if you don't believe that you're important to that corporation or that business, they're not going to believe it either. Take your passion, take your purpose, but and sell your ideas. Always be an idea person. And reinvention, yeah, some of us are out there looking for jobs. Some of you are looking for jobs or maybe you're thinking about maybe that company is going to right size and your job may find a new path. It's it's This is an opportunity. It's a time to really think about what you really want in your life. Write down the kind of job that you want or the career that you want. Be able to put it in writing and to verbalize to others what you really want to do the rest of your life. And then, of course, take a look at yourself. Uh, Get out there, exercise, get your sexy back. And of course, start to really, really feel good about yourself because you know what? You deserve the best. And believe it or not, you're, you're a great asset out there and people are looking for you. So don't sell yourself short. Promote, promote, promote. I tell people I'm a shameless promoter of myself and I do it and I do it again. Listen, uh, you can do it also. And we have told you that we are going to bring you emails that we get from the womenspeak.com 
com website, the Ask the Doctor Nancy. And we've got an uh, email here from Sarah. Sarah's in the 50 to 59 age group, and she has sent us a question regarding she has just, her company has just right-sized itself. In other words, her job has gone somewhere else. Basically, it's gone. And she is concerned about her age, and she's also concerned about how she is going to make it. What is she going to do? Well, we were talking earlier in the show about the important part of reinventing and marketing yourself. So what we're going to talk about is also be able to decide, talk about today in your mind, what is it is you want to do? What makes you feel good about the rest of your life? What, what do you see yourself doing? Find someone that you, that, that you want to be like, someone that's doing something that you want to do. Women love to share with each other about their jobs, about who they are, why they do what they are. And, and of course, you're going to find out that their heart and their passion typically is in something that they find joy in. So be able to put it in words. Find a, find a mentor, uh, someone that can really show you what it is like and what you want to be like, you, somebody you can model yourself after. And then take a look at the way you look. How are you dressing? Are you dressing for success? Do you look like someone that a corporation, uh, a business would just love to have? Make sure that your technology skills are up to date. Uh, You have to work at it. We all have to stay marketable from day to day. So you can do that, Sarah. So just, uh, you know, hang in there, think positive thoughts. And of course, market yourself, look in the mirror today and decide what it is you want to do with the rest of your life. And of course, um, you know, I use the name Sarah. That's not really her name. And we want you to know that everything that you send to us is confidential. But what you have to say is so very important to so many women. So we want to share that. And next week, we have a really timely program. And this will be with Dr. Carol Lieberman. She is a psychiatrist. She is an author. She is a TV personality. You may have seen her on CNN, uh, many TV programs. Uh, She is a psychiatrist that Oprah calls, that Larry King calls when they need advice about what's going on in the world and the world events that are affecting us all. She is media savvy. She is going to teach and tell us how the economy, how to handle the economy and how it's hurting our health and what we can do about that. She's going to give us tips on how to cope and and to deal with the everyday worries and concerns that we all have with the economy and of course dealing with terrorism. She has written the book Coping with Terrorism and Dreams Interrupted. So it's going to be a really important, a very timely uh, show to give us tips and ideas about how we can cope day to day with the difficult times that we're living with. So please come back and come to the show. And Dr. Carol Lieberman, she's going to help us cope with and help us to be sane in an insane time. Come back. Join Dr. Nancy again next week for Timeless Women Speak right here on webtalkradio.net.